Hello everyone, how are you? Zach Scrow from Neighborhood Church with you today for a message on kindness, which is the next fruit in our Living Fruit sermon series. So if you're following along in a house church, please pull out your Sunday morning sermon guide and remember, do the weekly devotions so that it will help reinforce what you learn today. Eugene Peterson, who I'm sure everyone is familiar with in his message Bible translation, defines kindness as a sense of compassion in the heart. Kindness as a sense of compassion in the heart. Think about it like this. We often use terms like kindness or kind as a way to describe someone, a person. Like, that is a kind man or that is a kind woman. And what we're really saying about that person that we're using the word kind or kindness to describe is that they are very compassionate and that we even notice that in some way when we talk to them, whether it's the type of words they use, their nonverbal cues on how they interact with us, or just their overall demeanor. Um, even in their tone of voice, we can just sense that they are a kind and compassionate person. And for me, when I hear this word kindness or or uh, being kind, I think of my sister, and she is the, the picture of a woman who has a sense of compassion in the heart for other people. And so when you have this heart of compassion for others, this kindness towards others, you naturally want to be gentle towards them. You want to do good things for them out of the kindness of your own heart. And, and you want to love them and practice self-control even when they anger you or do things wrongly towards you. And in case if you're, if you're not noticing what I'm doing here, uh, I'm describing a few of the other fruit of the Spirit, and I'm kind of showing their symbiotic relationship with one another, and also hoping that, that you're catching what I'm laying down here and even have mentioned in previous message in the, the Living Fruit sermon series, is that if you start to grow in one area of fruit, you are going to grow in all of them because they are a collective fruit that grows together, all reinforcing one another and helping each other fruit to grow in your life. And so, nonetheless, little sidebar there, I want to get back to kindness and briefly take a look at our passage today from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, the parable of the unmerciful servant to see what we can glean from it in regards to kindness as a fruit of the Spirit. So, Jesus, this, this, this parable opens with Peter asking Jesus a question in verse 21. So I'm going to give you just a couple seconds to turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to pick up in verse 21. Uh, if you have your Bibles or open it up on your phone. And the parable opens with Peter asking Jesus a question. Verse 21, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Wondering just how far he has to go before he can lay the hammer down on that person who keeps sinning against him or lay the hammer down on all of his enemies. And Jesus answered in the wise uh, and beautifully gentle way that he does, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or another interpretation that you might read might say 70 times seven. But here's the deal. No matter the number, whether it's 77 times or 140 or 490 times, that's 70 times seven, Jesus is not getting at a number of times you must forgive someone. 
but rather he is concentrating on how the disposition of your heart should be towards someone uh, who apparently keeps on hurting and sinning against you. And as we look further into the parable, especially at the end, it seems that the initial kindness of the king who forgave the servant of his debt comes into question as he reinstituted the debt of the unmerciful servant because this particular servant went to a fellow servant and exacted payment from him after the king had forgiven him of his debt. So let's jump back in and, and briefly look at what happens here as we come to a, a close. And I'm going to pick up in verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus finishes the parable with, in verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So the king doesn't seem to have a continuous and general disposition of kindness and compassion towards this unjust servant. Not only did he seemingly un unforgive, that's kind of like the opposite of forgiving someone, unforgive the servant, he threw him in prison to be tortured until every last dime was paid. And look, rather than use my words to describe what's going on here, I'm going to quote, whom you've heard me quote before when we were back in the building, uh, even in the school, Robert Capon, an Episcopalian priest, who I think sums this parable up excellently. And then at the end, in, a, in just a few minutes, I'll relate it back to kindness for you all as we close. So Capon says that if we insist on binding others' debts upon them in the name of our own right to life, we will, by not letting grace have its way through us, cut ourselves off from ever knowing the joy of grace in us. Grace in this sense is forgiveness. Capon goes on. In heaven, there are only forgiven sinners. There are no good guys, no upright, successful types who, by dint of their own integrity, have been accepted into the great country club in the sky. There are only failures, only those who have accepted their deaths in their sins and who have been raised up by the king who himself died that they might live. But in hell, too, there are only forgiven sinners. Now, don't get goofy on me. Don't get crazy. I know that might be controversial for some of you to hear. I'm not talking about laying out a theological treatise here, but just keep on listening to the point that Capon is making. I'm going to repeat that again. But in hell too, there are only forgiven sinners. Jesus on the cross does not sort out certain exceptionally recalcitrant parties and cut them off from the pardon of his death. He forgives the badness of even the worst of us, willy-nilly. And he never takes back that forgiveness, not even at the bottom of the bottomless pit. The sole difference, therefore, between hell and heaven is that in heaven, the forgiveness is accepted and passed along, while in hell, it is rejected and blocked. In heaven, the death of the king is welcomed and becomes the doorway to new life in the resurrection.
In hell, the old life of the bookkeeping world is insisted on and becomes forever the pointless torture it always was. There is only one unpardonable sin, and that is to withhold pardon from others, withhold forgiveness from others. My word's not his. The only thing that can keep us out of the joy of the resurrection is to join the unforgiving servant in his refusal to die. The unforgiving servant refused to receive the forgiveness of the king, which Capon refers to in what I just mentioned as his refusal to die, his refusal to die to the life that kept him from Jesus. Consequently, this led the servant to exact payment from his fellow servant, and in the end, indicating he didn't fully understand or internalize just what the king had done for him. And, and listen to this. The king gave the servant exactly what he wanted and desired, which was this, to live by the letter of the law. You see, God's kindness towards us is meant to lead us to repentance. You guys know that scripture very well. But it doesn't always work that way. Not because God stops being kind, but because we refuse to accept his kindness. And for all of us, if we continue to refuse the kindness of God towards us, offered to us, God will give us the next best thing, the next kindest, the next kindest thing to us, which is he will give us what we want. He will allow us to live the life that we want, to live the way that we want, even though it isn't best for us. And yet he will still maintain that sense of compassion in his heart towards us, much like a parent towards his child who knows his child will just never get it right and is continually getting it wrong. And he maintains this kind disposition towards us, this compassion towards us, because he knows, like in the parable, like what the parable says, our old choicest way of living will torture us day in and day out until every last bit of life in us is exacted from us. That's our payment, you see. So as we come to a close here, the, lots of questions should come up like, how are we able to receive God's kindness towards us? How are we able to even be kind towards others? How are we able to forgive 77 times or 140, uh, 490 times or an infinite amount of times those who hurt us? How are we able to forgive them? Here's how. We must begin to gaze upon the king who in the parable died to a debt that, would owe, that, would, that was owed to him so that his servant could have life just like Jesus died for all of us so that we could have life. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Gazing upon the king looks like dying to the sin of unforgiveness we hold in our hearts that we have towards others and maybe even might have towards God. To embrace the kindness of God, we must catch and hold Jesus closely. To look upon 
him and to look upon the cross where the kindness of God met the cruelty of the world and forgiveness won out. That's how we can begin to embrace God's kindness towards us and be kind towards others. Thank you all. May you go in the grace and peace and mercy of Jesus Christ.